Jowson, sweetie, please drop that beat to start the show. The Romantic Truth Podcast extends a loving and warm welcome to listeners in celebration of our sixth year of the show. We wish you a promising 2024. Please be advised that due to the language, subject matter, and topics of the show, adults 18 years of age and older are highly recommended for this content. Uninterrupted and commercial-free listening. Now, since all of that is over, I would like to take this opportunity and introduce you to the host of Romantic Truth, Jaosan in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. And what I wanted to do was just uh, to commend Jillian for doing such a wonderful job with um, the meeting room. She had four guests and she did pretty good starting out. Now, she braved the tides of dealing with a panel. Now, what we did was a little bit unique. Instead of having the fear of dropouts and those kind of things, or to hear that kind of stun gun sound effect when uh, a person's speaking on a podcast, you hear that, it happens here. What we decided to do was to also have them to download an AI app so as they spoke we recorded the trend uh the transcript and so what we decided to do was in the event that there was some any network interference we still had their voice and the transcript so it came out clear And that's what we were concerned with because we had people in different parts of the country. I think, um, well, Jillian's in the UK, but we had one lady, I believe, from Kansas City, another one from Oklahoma City, another one from Memphis, and one from Denver. So we had to make sure that we didn't have any uh, crappy connections. So that was one thing that really helped us a lot because uh, I believe the connection in Kansas City was kind of bad. And so we had to use the transcript from that. But anyway, we got it done. And um, we're going to let you listen to it. It's about a half hour long. And uh, also, I responded to Ann's uh, email. And Ann, if you're listening, I sent your request to come on the show whenever you feel so. And... I sent you my response to your situation as well, folks. I explained what was going on with Anne. Now, a couple of things that are getting under my skin. These conspiracy theories, folks. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe the right wing now has started a conspiracy about Taylor Swift. And this is one thing you have to realize, folks. Whenever you become famous or wealthy, people come for you. And it's really pathetic. 
And some of you have asked, why don't I date Trump supporters? I don't date fanatics. I just don't. Because what I find with them is that they lose a sense of self. And they become obsessed with something that's not even associated with them. And that's dangerous. So, I hope that answers your question. Jonathan writes to follow. He's out of Louisville, Kentucky. Jonathan, I've been listening to your show now for the last two and a half years. My wife does not like your show. She hates it. Right now, I'm afraid to go home. I got laid off my job. And I don't want to hear the noise when I get home. Last time I got laid off, it was my fault from what she said. The way she looks at it, black men are lazy if they don't have a job. Even if it's not for a long period of time. What can I do? Because I'm afraid this time around, I'm just going to say fuck it and walk away from the marriage. This, among other things, has kind of compiled, and I'm at a point now where I'm really ready to walk away. I know there's going to be an argument when I get to the house. I expect this. Why are black women this way? You're a brother. I'm a brother. Why do we have to put up with this shit? Jonathan, Louisville, Kentucky. Jonathan. The thing you're going to have to understand is a couple. One, you got to remember, believe it or not, historically, some African-American women bought into the stigma that black men were lazy. And the reason why that came about after slavery, that was to keep whites from hiring blacks. That's what you have to remember during the Reconstruction period and that kind of thing. My dad used to talk about this a lot. He was from that era. Well, not from Reconstruction, but early part of the century. Because back in the 1920s was his heyday. He was born in 1897. So here's the thing. Yeah, folks, my dad was born in 1897. And um, what this meant was he was exposed to a lot of things in American history that I later read about, but he lived it, just like we live in today in our modern times. And there was a sense of frustration. And this is not started. See, there's a a lot of frustration with black women when it comes to black men. We can go back as far as them being put in the castles, in places like Ghana and Sierra Leone, put on ships, sold to slave auctions, and working on the plantation. At no point during any of that throughout the centuries could a black man stand up for a black woman, protect her. He couldn't, he was subjugated. And then even after Reconstruction, black men 
still didn't have the power. They never ever had that power in the United States. Now, what it meant was, in order for you to get into an empowered position, you had to do what, basically what Tim Scott did with Donald Trump. That was the only way you made it. Outside of that, on your own merit, nah. Because one thing they want to do was keep you from being a threat. This is the reason why the black woman has always had more power than the black man. You could look at something as a plantation house. Who was over the house? Usually a heavyset black woman that wouldn't be attractive to the master. But one that could breastfeed his children. One that could take care of his children, teach his children. Pose no threat to the lady of the house. The black woman that he would take from the field and put into a bedroom that was a bed warmer. She was more powerful than his wife because she was in the company of the most powerful man on the plantation. The black man that was in the field couldn't say anything when the handlers or when the master wanted his wife to fuck her and have another child with her. Nothing he could say. So black women have always had low expectations of us in that sense. Let's just be real about it. And now that even though we are not on the plantation anymore, we're still subjugated in many ways through favorable hiring practices where they won't hire one of us unless we are gay or unless we are non-threatening. As I told you before, you could look at any film, any movie. There's a black male in it, more than likely he's going to be a feminine in some kind of way. So this is what you're dealing with. You're dealing with being a non-threatening male. And so, therefore, a lot of this comes forward to our present day with that thinking. You're lazy. You're trying to get out of something. Why do you think cops pull black men over? Why do you think these Karens call the police every time they see a black person? First thing they think about is crime, even though they may not know a black person personally. But just because of what they saw on Fox News, they feel as though everything is that way in real life. You look at what happened to Aubrey down there in uh, Georgia. Community, community vigilantes taking the law in their own hands. So what this means, sir, is that that latent distrust that black women have had in us as black men still resonates today. Because she's thinking you're going to try to slip out of it. Because she's taking on the master's mindset to think that I can't trust my slave. He's going to try to weasel out of it. It's an indictment without an indictment. Mighty funny you mentioned this. 
Years ago, I was taking a job in Hawaii at a radio station that remained nameless. And my agent had called me up, and it was about several of us, about five of us that went out there. And they showed us the studio, showed us all the things we had to pay for our own flights, but they covered a hotel. Very nice place. And they were showing us our offices and the studio and everything, giving us the criminal little criminal. Well, my agent called me about the third day I was there. He says, I got to call you tomorrow morning. I said, well, is this something that's important now? He said, no, I'll tell you tomorrow morning. Well, what they were doing the next day was making a decision as to whether or not the station was going to be sold, which it was. Guess who got left out of the mix? Not only myself, but the other five people that traveled with me there. Well, I got sent back home. It was nothing more than just a dog and pony show in order to sell the station. So we learned a lesson. And what I'm getting at is this. When I got back to Los Angeles, the girlfriend I had, she was African-American. First thing she did, what did you do in order to not get hired? And those of you who know me, I'm going to put up with no bullshit like that. I said I did nothing. They just didn't hire. No, you must have done something wrong. You must have done something wrong. I said, you know what? If my integrity can't speak for itself, I don't need you in my life. Now, I was able to get another job. But here's the thing. When I lost a job one time, later on, they had massive layoffs. They were what they call offshoring at that time. A lot of IT work. I was with a Caucasian woman. And I told her about it. You know what she told me? Give me a copy of your resume. I'm going to walk down the hall to HR. And just guess what she did. I was hired the next week. It's about the attitude and the disposition. This isn't to say white women are better than black women or anything like that. But what this is to say is your approach and your behavior. Your attitude about things. That's the difference. I tell you about the time when Tina lady I dated from Europe. I was applying for this job and the woman at the desk would not even give me the application packet. Oh, well, you know, that position is, uh, Phil, they're not hiring. She gave me the whole bullshit, right? And gave me one of these little information postcards. So I got back to the car. I was kind of flustered. Then she said, what's wrong? I said, uh, she wouldn't give me an application. She says, Hold on. She went in there, got the application, job description, everything associated with the job, even the brochures, contact information, who to contact, all of this shit, and brought it back to the car. Went and filled out the app, got chosen for the interview, 
And when I came in the office, the only thing the woman could do was just drop her mouth. What I'm getting at, sir, is this is something that's been going on for a while. Even when it comes down to affirmative action, a lot of you black men who listen to the show, some of you might have faced this from the 70s throughout the 90s, where you're going to apply for a job and your nemesis was to see a black woman that was over HR because of the fact that you knew good and well the odds of you getting that job was very slim. Because she didn't want you to fuck it up for anybody else. She'd rather hire somebody white, Asian, or Latin. That's one thing I saw in Los Angeles regularly. Me and my friends used to talk about that shit all the time. Because they thought that we were going to come in there and act a fool and fuck it up. Because I was doing the gangster rap era and all that shit. And of course we were all painted with the same brush. So, just open your eyes, folks. Yes, there's discrimination within the black community as well, just like in any other community. I know Latinos that won't talk to other Latinos. They'll say something like, I have Spanish blood. You know, you're indigenous. So, people discriminate. White folks discriminate against each other. I've worked in companies where they wouldn't hire anybody from the South. They wouldn't tell them that. Especially if they went out for sales or marketing. They don't want anybody with a southern draw. People will discriminate based on how they feel. Not necessarily what they know. And so this is something you have to really understand. In this case, sir, I wouldn't try to explain shit to her. You said you had enough? That would be enough for me. I'd just go in and walk out. I'm just telling you what I would do. You're a grown man. You know what's best for you and you know what's best suited for you. The last thing I'm going to do in life is waste my time in an uncomfortable situation. If I'm uncomfortable, shit. I'd rather be without a relationship. That's the reason why now I'm not pressed for one because I know exactly the type of woman I want, the caliber of woman I want, the quality of woman I want. And if I find her, fine. If I don't find her, nothing's lost. I can still be pussy. That's no problem. That's the thing. Because some women feel as though, well, I have the reins on the vagina. So he's got to go through me in order to get that fulfillment. I have exes that I could fuck right now. And I'm not saying that to be brash or bold. It's a fact. And see, that's the thing. The way you treat people is vital. Because you never know when that person may show up in your life again. You never know. I went for a job interview one time, and the lady that I used to date was the person that was doing the hiring. 
Guess what I didn't have a problem doing? Getting a job. Had no idea she had moved to another company. It's how you treat people, because you never know when you'll need them again. You know, on that song, Paper Late by Genesis, if you listen to the words, they say you don't need to be nice on the way up because you're never coming down. That's a lie. You never know. You never know. So keep that in mind. So Jonathan, this is a lesson learned, right? And now you know. Carry on, good man. I wish you all the best. Give an invite to the show anytime you so desire. More in a moment, folks. Hi, everyone. Gillian here with Tammy, Claire, Prina, and Becky. And we're discussing dating preferences. Please don't talk over each other so the audience can hear you. Our first question is, what racial preferences do you have when it comes to dating? Tammy, you may start the conversation. I'm not racist in any way, but I only find white men handsome. All other races of men are invisible to me. Tammy, how can you say that you aren't racist if all other men that aren't white are invisible to you? So am I invisible too because I'm a black woman? There you go, bringing race into the conversation. My preference is that I'm only physically attracted to straight white men. Is that a crime? Ladies, let's keep it civil. Tammy, you made it clear that you aren't into men of other races. And Claire, this isn't the platform to address social justice issues. Tammy is entitled to her opinion. Becky, go ahead with your response. I had a girl-on-girl relationship with an African-American co-worker once when I lived in Boise, but I never dated someone of the opposite sex interracially. However, race has never been a factor for me. Ew, Becky, I could never do another woman solo. A hetero couple? Yes. As long as a dick is in the mix, I'm down. So, Becky, what was it like being with another woman solo? Were you two a couple? I actually enjoyed the experience. I love playing in her braids, and I was so jealous of her smooth skin. We fell in love, but where we lived in Idaho, we were harassed so much that she moved back to Atlanta. Did you keep in touch? I went to Atlanta that summer, and things were very different. She had changed a lot standoffish, and she had very little time for me. It was a whole different vibe. Oh my God, no way I could do that. Do what? Be with another woman or specifically a black woman? Why are you so sensitive? It's not like black people don't have their preferences. Jocelyn gave a statistic that 86% of all races marry within their own race. I don't see your point. Just be honest and say you don't like minorities. I have no idea what your problem is, lady, but I'm sure there's a therapist out there to assist you with your condition. First off, I ain't lady. My name is Claire, and if anyone needs a therapist, it's you. Fucking single in your 60s, you old dusty pussy bitch. I had to mute Claire for a moment. Tammy, she was triggered by the statement, I'm not a racist. She mentioned to me in a message that it's a term used by racist. Fucking shoot me. How was I to know? If I was a racist, I wouldn't have listened to this podcast for the past three years. Well, despite the drama, my racial dating preferences are open. I've only dated one black man in my life like you, Jillian, and it took some getting used to for sure. All I can say is size does matter. Well, I'm going to leave that last comment for the imagination. I have messaged Claire about the rules and I'm unmuting her to join us again. Fresh out of time out. Jillian, 
Kudos for dodging Prima's question, Jillian. Apparently, she's been in the valley of big dicks also. Tammy, my beef with you is squashed. Becky, I have a question for you. Was that girl from Atlanta a fetish or experiment? We were so in love that we ate each other's asses. Is that enough? That's deplorable. Becky, thanks for the unwarranted depiction. I'm trying to not lose my dinner. Claire, how would you answer the question? Jillian, I noticed you didn't comment about Becky's answer. I don't care about race or gender. I'd probably fuck you, Tammy, after a few glasses of red wine. Just kidding. That would never happen in a million years. Try dealing with a man six feet, nine inches tall, weighing over 280 pounds, trying to slide in 10 inches of manly man into my five foot three inch body in the missionary position. Welcome to Big Dicks Anonymous. Let's clear the air first. Claire, I apologize if I offended you. I had no idea I said something wrong. No worries. Just invite me and Becky down to Oklahoma City. I'll bring the strap on and Becky will lick up the evidence. I see why Jalson doesn't like doing panels. You are off the chain. Wait a minute, why do I have to clean things up? Claire, you're wrong, teasing Tammy. So what are some of the deal breakers? He must be at least six feet tall. His race is unimportant, but his penis can't be huge. About six inches max. He must have his own place, room, apartment, or house, pay his own bills, no history of domestic violence, no criminal history, and no children or child support payments. That's all. Becky, I agree with all your preferences, girl, with a couple of exceptions and additions. He must be circumcised because smegma is gross, and he must have around eight inches down there, preferably shaved. He has to be single with receipts with no exceptions. No men living with mommy if she's not ill. And especially no divorcees living with their ex. One time, this guy talked me into having a threesome with his so-called female roommate. I turned him down and found out days later that she was his soon-to-be ex-wife and she was willing to have a threesome to keep their marriage. Okay, deal breakers for me are as follows. He must have his own teeth. He must have transportation such as a car. He must not be on a cane. He must not have any of his grown children living with him. And he must have at least social security or retirement. When it comes to him physically, he could have gray hair as long as his mustache and beard if he has one or groomed and he must be at least six feet tall and Caucasian. Blue eyes is a plus. Okay, let's continue, shall we? Our next question is, if you met a person meeting your preferences physically, how long would it be before intimacy? If the person meets my standards, there is no question intimacy is gonna happen. I would even say that on the first night, it's a sure bet if I'm really feeling that person. Why wait? After all, that is time wasted. Honestly, I would have to wait at least a couple of weeks and really determine whether or not he would be the right one for me. Becky, you're braver than I could ever be because there is no way I'm gonna be with someone that I met on the first date intimately. The thought scares me because he could be a serial killer. Just be careful. I would say that it has to depend on the person. I agree with you, Prima. It would have to be a time when I would have to get to know the person first. Even though I was joking about Tammy, she would be the exception. However, Becky, you're taking a very grave risk. Now, if the other person is a woman, oh, we are doing all kind of nasty stuff. However, if it's a man, he is going to definitely have to wait until I feel comfortable. So Claire, I take it that you wouldn't mind if I sat on your face. Dream on my dear. I would have to say that it would depend on how I felt about the guy. If it was a situation where I thought that things could definitely prosper, I would probably give him a little oral that night as a nightcap on the first date. It would depend greatly on how I felt about it. Contrary to popular belief, this 63-year-old woman is not a prude. And Claire, I will be more than glad to come to Memphis to sit on your face and shut you up anytime you want me to. Just kidding, as you say. 
You mean to tell me that I am the only freak on this panel except for Jillian and Tammy? Oh, great. Touche, Becky. We're going to move on to the next question. Does penis size really matter when it comes down to preferences that you may have for your partner if he's male, if your partner is female? Then what attributes would be important on the physical side of things? I'm actually turned on by men that have feminine characteristics. I'm very curious about dating trans women. As you know, I want the best of both worlds in one person. More than likely, the person that I would seek as a female would have to be endowed in both her breast and hips. She must be a great kisser and very touchy feeling. The man I would desire would have to be more feminine, so the macho types are definitely not my vibe. That was one thing that I hated when I was in Idaho. I require muscles and a tan and about seven inches for my desires and no crazy antics in bed. My ideal man must wear musk cologne and have a little body odor for some reason that turns me on, but he can't be full-fledged funky. He must be shaved, as I said before down there, and he should have a long tongue for some extra work. I require long hair to guide his first head between my thighs. If he does not know how to suck breasts and eat me, then I have no use for him. I prefer a man that is not hairy, and like Tammy said, has muscles. At least an eight-inch muscle down there. Anything more than that is just gonna hang out out of me and be wasted, dick. When it comes down to women that I desire, I'm pretty liberal on the requirements, as long as she's very feminine and has no reservations about sharing her feelings. However, when it comes to men, my standards are much higher. Handsome, yes, he must make at least $150,000 a year for me to look his way. I don't care so much about muscles, but he does have to have at least eight inches or more before I would even think about it. And I'm the kind of girl that would ask a guy to pull out his dick so I can see it first. And if I'm into him, that may happen on our first date to determine whether or not I'm going through with it in general. So let me just make sure that we're on the same page here, Becky. You have no reservations with sleeping with someone on the first date and you prefer a more a feminine man if you were to be with a man or, of course, obviously a female. Tammy. You're stating that the guy would have to be a heterosexual male, and there's a good possibility you would give him oral sex on the first date if things really go well. Prina, you seem to be a little bit more conservative as I am, and a bit different. Claire, you're on the same page, pretty much as Prima. So this means that, for you in particular, Claire, there are different standards between men and women when it comes down to you dating them. A man would have to meet your income requirement, and a woman will not. Is that correct? Absolutely. Without a doubt, because unlike many of you as a black woman, I deal with a lot of economically disadvantaged men. In other words, broke men. And after a while, you get tired of the Waffle House and other chain restaurants. It's not about being materialistic, but as a woman that makes pretty good money for herself when it comes to men, especially black men, there are really thin pickings. So therefore, my standards have to be at a certain level. So Claire... Would you say that you would find yourself dating men of other races because of economic conditions? I'm just curious because I never thought of dating in the sense of how much a person makes. Sometimes I have to, because unless you've experienced going out on a date with a guy and he tells you he lost his wallet or forgot it, or a situation where he asks you to pay for the date and he'll reimburse you later. I can't tell you how many times this has happened to me. And unfortunately, it's only been with black men. I haven't given up on them, but I put them under more scrutiny than I would a white man or anyone of any other race. Wow. I've learned something new today because I had no idea that something like that happened. You mean to tell me that a guy told you that he left his wallet on a date? 
I guess I was fortunate because the guy that I went out with, who happened to be African-American, gave me the best time of my life. It was one of the most memorable dates I've ever had, even though I was really sore afterwards. I own the fact that I have been damaged by some of these past relationships, especially my last one because I co-signed for him to get a car, got him a job that paid him pretty well, and give him access to my credit card account. That was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life because he booked a flight to the Philippines and I came home from work one day and all of his stuff was gone. I learned a valuable lesson from that ordeal. Just hearing this pisses me off. I'm so sorry, Claire. I had no idea something like that had happened to you. My ex-husband left me for a younger woman and she fleeced him out of every dime he had. He had to eventually wind up living with our daughter where she's taking care of him now. People are evil. Claire and Tammy, my heart goes out to both of you and I will be the first to say, that is one of my biggest fears about dating. I prefer to just wing it and not get too serious because it could be emotionally costly and financially costly. I'm so afraid of something like that happening to me because I don't know how I would handle it. I made a decision after leaving Idaho and dealing with the young lady I dealt with that I was never going to allow myself to fall in love again. I will have sex, I will do whatever I feel, but I'm never going to allow myself to be so emotionally vulnerable. Say what you will about me, but one thing for sure, I am not going to be a victim. Sorry about that, ladies. I had to recharge my microphone because it was about ready to go out on me. So we have learned some very interesting things here that have influenced the way you look at dating. Okay, ladies, take for instance, you did find the ideal person in your life. If there were some things about that person that you might not like, would you try to encourage them to change things or would you move on? My naive self when I was about 21 when I got married would have said yes. But after 22 years of marriage, I would say hell no. Even though I don't have the same amount of years as you do, Tammy, I had to learn the hard way that changing a man is the biggest waste of time a woman could ever do. It's up to him to make that change and trying to make him do it is a waste of time. I would definitely move on. Changing a person with be so draining when it comes to energy. This is one of the reasons why I want to have somebody that's more like me. It makes it much easier not to have to worry about the guy trying to go out and be hyper-masculine in order to prove a point. So glad that I don't have that problem. I would have to say I would move on before I would try to change someone because I would make the right choice in the beginning, I hope. I would have to say that if I found someone that met my criteria, I will be willing to work with them through compromise. However, I would not overdo it and get to a point where it's a back and forth. More than likely, after a couple of tries, I would move on. Now, ladies, what are your thoughts about preferences in regards to zodiac signs? Do you think it's a factor? What signs would you or would you not date? I am personally biased and would never date a Leo under any circumstances. I prefer Pisces man myself because they're creative. I don't know whether you guys believe in zodiac or not, but I don't date Cancers, Tauruses or Aries. Apologize if I offend anyone in present company that may be under those three signs. I'm Virgo, but I have to be honest about a few things here. Prima, I must agree with you when it comes down to cancer. Every person that I have dated under that sign has been an emotional nightmare to say the least. It's very draining to be with them in a relationship because they are so hypersensitive. That is definitely something I cannot do. Wait a minute before you start talking about cancers. I'm a cancer, and some of what you say is true. I agree, Tammy. But not all cancers are the same. Please be nice. You too, Prima. Amen to your opinion about the sign of cancer. Personally, I have had a lot of emotional drama dealing with them. I'm Aquarius, and I can tell you firsthand that dealing with the cancer has to be the most difficult experience I've ever had. I had a boyfriend that was a cancer, 
and for the life of me, he was so damn clingy that I had to act like I was moving just to get rid of him. You hit it on the button with cancers there, Becky. They are very emotionally draining. I also find that Tauruses have a very low risk tolerance and they will hold you back from success because they are so stuck in being afraid of things, especially new things. And when it comes down to Aries, they are arrogant and very selfish. I never had experience with a Leo before, nor a Pisces, so I don't have anything for those two. Now that I think about it, two other types of men I wouldn't date, or Pisces, because they're usually liars, and they promises they don't follow through on, and Gemini because they will say one thing one moment and turn it on his head the next. They're very inconsistent when it comes down to making decisions. And God, let's not talk about Leos to me. I think that's the worst zodiac sign next to cancer. They're trying to always be in charge even when they don't know what the fuck they are doing. Don't worry, Claire. I'm not that sensitive. However, I do have some men that I would never date. Yes, the first is a Pisces because like you said, Tammy, they do lie and they do make promises they do not keep. The second type of man is a Leo, very macho and don't know shit. I agree. I dated one Aries and he was the biggest asshole ever dated in my life and one of the guys that left me with a dinner bill when he took me out to dinner. However, my favorite zodiac sign is Scorpio. Those people are freaks and I love it. We will continue our show in just a moment. You have new mail. Well, I got some shattering news today. It seems as though my husband of 10 years told me this morning before I went to work that he was no longer in love with me and that he was filing for divorce even told me that the woman that he's in love with is my best friend of 17 years. They've been seeing each other for the last five behind my back and under my nose. So I guess I'm going to go to work and act like nothing happened. message one thing that I will tell you is this I know it hurts you probably was numb when you first found out but here's the thing you have to realize if he's conspired with her over five years what would you have if you ever got him back Someone that deceived you that long with your friend? I'd be the first to tell you. My opinion only, it's up to you. Let him go through with the divorce. Don't fight it. Now, I know there's a lot of feelings, a lot of emotion, 
I don't know if you have children, dogs, or whatever. You know, and the assets have to be split and everything. So it's going to be very traumatic for you. But you probably realize that there were some telltale signs along the way that things were headed in this direction. I'm not saying it's your fault by no stretch. But here's the thing you have to also realize. For him to tell you to your face that he's leaving you for another woman and tells you the duration in which they had the relationship and who it is that he's sleeping with. He's very confident in what he's established with her. Now, this friend of yours, she put on a poker face like you wouldn't believe. And I know that that really hits you harder than anything else because you've known her longer than you've known him. But see, what you're going to have to realize too is that there's some people that actually study you so that they could actually do you in. Oh, and they'll be your best friends. I dated a lady one time and she had this friend that we couldn't get rid of. And my girl was swearing up and down how good she was and how close they were and they were road dogs and all this other shit. This woman called me up one night and started masturbating. Vibrator going, telling me I should come over there. My girl didn't have to know. All this shit. And here's the sad thing about it. The next day, my girl and I went to Knott's Ferry Farm. Guess who we had to pick up? Her girlfriend. The whole time, girlfriend staring me down. They're gonna whisper to me when old girl went over to get, I think some cotton candy or something. She went and whispered to me talking about, I don't want you to say anything about last night. This was before cell phones. She gave me her phone number. If you ever get lonely, just call me, I'll come over. She doesn't have to know. Now, Here's the crazy thing. I told my girl about it. You know what she did? Defended her to the last M. Called me a liar. I could have wrote that number down myself. I probably got that number from her. As if I asked for it. And guess what she started doing? She started purging with her, telling her everything about me that she didn't like. And her girlfriend was eating this shit up. And guess what she was doing? Calling me up, telling me everything my girl was telling me about me, telling her about me in a negative way. And then she tells me, see, I'm a better woman than she is. You gotta go on and dump that bitch. 
old girl left me because she said that I was making a move on her friend. Friend called me up. I need to talk to you. I said, okay. So I met her over at USC at that little, uh, they got a food court right across from the college. When we sat down, I think we were at Nathan's Hot Dogs. And she says, um, I'm sorry about what happened, but that bitch wasn't good for you anyway. I'm a better woman. And I said, how so? And she went down the list of stuff. And then she gave me the backstory on a girl. But yet they were the closest of friends on the surface. But my girl didn't know. She had it in for her. And eventually she and I fucked. Worst sex I ever had. Didn't know what she was doing. Talked a lot of shit. But here's the crazy thing. I did it deliberately. I knew better not to do it. Reason why I did it, we were broken up. And not only that, if she was stupid enough to believe her friend, I was stupid enough to fuck her friend. That's the way I looked at it. That was the logic. So let me tell you something, Ann. You can't fix that. Because you know good and well, even if you got him back through counseling, would you ever be able to genuinely trust him 100%? More than likely not. You see, one thing that you have to realize, when you cheat on your partner, one of the considerations is the duration. Let's look at some questions that may have to be answered if you've been cheated on. First, why? Second question, how long? Third question, where did you guys do this? Fourth question, who did you do it with? Fifth question, who else knew about it? Those are the five questions you should ask your partner when they cheated on you. And more than likely, they won't be able to answer them. The sixth question, Do you love this person? Seventh question. Do you have plans with this person? Future plans. Eighth question. How are you expecting me to accept this? Ninth question. How do you plan on fixing this? Last question. Give me a reason why I should stay with you and continue this relationship. Those are the 10 questions, folks. 
And here's the thing. And then you can go into more detail if you want to. But those are the 10 fundamental questions. As I told you before, when our friend used to get drunk and we'd have to take him home, we'd ring the doorbell and just prop him up against the door. So when his wife opened the door, she'd fall, he'd just fall in the house. Well, one day she was waiting for our asses. It was about three in the morning. And just when we were propping his ass up, the door opened. She said, uh-uh, bring him on in. Brought him in, propped him up on the couch. He was supposed to be at AA meetings. He wasn't supposed to be drinking. And what did we do is lie to his wife and say he's going to an AA meeting. He was messing around with a girl that was also in the program and they both had relapsed. And he'd get dropped off at the bar. Then he'd need a ride home. And then he'd want us to construct a lie for him. Well, this one particular night, it was the first night this happened. It happened several nights afterwards, several times afterwards. But this first night, we were getting ready to leave after we had sat him down. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. You guys are gonna stay here. She made us coffee. Asked him if he wanted coffee. She had on this damn robe. And those legs, I'll never forget that. She was wearing this nightie and underneath. And when she sat down in that chair and crossed her legs and I saw that leg, ooh, ooh. And she's a very nice looking woman, very attractive woman. And the question she asked him, she asked him questions from about, I'll say 3.30 that morning to look at five o'clock. But we sat there. We tried to leave several times. Uh -uh. Mm -mm. So I'm gonna cook breakfast in a minute, so y'all just might as well make yourself at home. She said, because in some way you guys are part of this. She asked him, who was she? What race was she? Had he slept with her? Did he use condoms? Did he ejaculate inside her? Did she give him oral, anal? Oh, she went down the list. It was so embarrassing that we would turn our heads trying to act like, and I was trying to turn my head away from her because that woman was looking damn good that night. And it was like she was turning a knife inside of her. She said, no, I want you to answer me. What we didn't realize, the reason why she wanted us there, later on I found out, she said, you have no idea, I wanted to go get a butcher's knife out of the kitchen and end it all for him. She said, I needed you guys there. Every question you can imagine. How long was her hair? Where did you guys have sex? Who else knew about it? 
Did she moan when you had sex? Did she tell you she loved you? And what she was doing was positioning every question based on the way they made love. All the way down to where she shaved. Every question conceivable you could think of. It was just like she was turning a knife in this man. And I could tell he was embarrassed and uncomfortable. And he was sobering up a bit. And then he tried to get assertive, like, I'm the man of this house. And she said, and I've been paying the bills covering your ass. What we didn't know at the time, he'd had multiple DUIs. And she's been paying everything. Fellas, sometimes these women get tired. And they're done. When they throw in the towel, they're done. Now, in this case, Ann, you know you got to start over. And the best way is to start working on yourself now. I know you're going to be numb going to work. You'll probably cry or whatever. That's understandable. It's going to interfere with your work schedule, whether you like it or not, because that's something that's heavy. You're losing a good portion of your existence with this person. But now, I want you to think about a few things here. You have to go forward with what you have now, not what you had. Let's look at some of the good things about this. Now you have the experience and the knowledge and the know-how. What you're going to do in the next few days, you're going to retract the last five years of your life and you're going to start noticing certain changes in your partner that you really didn't take notice of back then when they were happening in real time. But now you have more time to be objective and more critical. And you're going to chop it up to a learning experience. Now, the other benefit you have here is that you have an opportunity to reset yourself back to that period before you met him. And that's important. See, some women forget to do that. What they do, they get stuck in that emotional desert of where they are now. Well, where they are now is not a good place to start. And the reason being, and I'm talking about emotionally, and the reason being is because of the fact that you weren't that way when you came into the relationship. The changes occurred after you got in it. You can still take the knowledge, wisdom, and experience from those situations and the lessons. But guess what you don't have to take? You don't have to take on the emotional disposition of that period that made you feel sad. Only you can control your feelings. Nobody else can. They can try to influence those feelings. But it's up to you to actually do the feeling, right? So you might want to take some time and find that woman that was innocent, naive, when you met him. There's nothing wrong with being her again. You'd rather be her again with the knowledge. You know, you hear people say all the time, I wish I knew then what I know now. You could take yourself back then with the knowledge of knowing. 
so that when you do start in another relationship, you're equipped. You're more agile and more knowledgeable. Don't let this man control your future or your life. I've seen so many women allow this to happen. I've seen where that ex, that partner that they used to have has absolute control over them. They're obsessed with that person. They're obsessed with the failure. They're obsessed with the loss. You see, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> some people look at a failed relationship as a catastrophic loss. Okay, maybe one or two marriages. When you get to three or four marriages, yeah, you fucked up. But here's what you got to look at. As long as you can own your part of it, of the failure, you're okay. Now, here's the thing. You don't want to get in the habit of blaming him for everything. Because he's going to point out some valid things that maybe you didn't do or you did. So it's going to be shared responsibility. But it doesn't mean that it has to all fall on your side. Because see what a lot of people like to do is if a person cheated on them, everything is their fault. No. Mm-mm. There's some residual liability on both sides. Even though that partner may have 70, you may have 30% of that liability. I see as long as you own it, that's all that matters. Now, here's the problem. If things don't work out, your friend, I'm sure, already knows that there's no way in hell she's going to ever be a friend again because she took your man. Well, she didn't take your man. Your man gave himself to her. But here's the thing you have to look at. He might try to come back if things don't work out. Because see, it's a whole different dynamic when a person is cheating with someone because they don't have the full breadth of the responsibility of being with that person at that time. Once they have now cohabitated and they're in the same situation that they left with someone else, well, that other person may notice, hey, things about them. And say, hey, this is not working. Because, see, he's going under the premise that there's something wrong with you. That's what's motivating him to move on to someone else. She may say, you know what? She's not the problem you are. So, and another thing you'll probably realize, if you look back, the change in your relationship with her. She probably didn't spend that much more time with you within the last five years like she used to, claiming she's busy or whatever. That's because she didn't want to give it away. And it could have very easily happened. She knew your weaknesses. Just like the woman that I had dated, her girlfriend knew her weaknesses. Every one of them, she studied her. And that's what's happened here. This is the reason why I tell you ladies, when you 
volunteer your man to do something, one of your girlfriends, even some of your relatives. Um, clear it with them first and go with them. Like for instance, I'll give you an example. Girlfriend calls you up and says, I need somebody to help me put these shelves inside a closet. Well, my boyfriend, I'll, when he comes in, I'll just have him, I'll send him on over. He comes home from work. Honey, I need you to go over to Diane's place and put the shelves in her closet for me. I promised her I'll do it. He's kind of pissed off. Well, he gets there. Diane may be in booty shorts. Yeah, I really appreciate your help. If Diane wants him, Diane can get him because they're alone. That's what you have to realize. As men, as I told you before, if our girlfriend is a tax accountant, and one of my fellows say, hey man, uh, I need to have my taxes done. Uh, you think I can get old girl to do my taxes? Oh yeah, man, I'll send over to your place to do your taxes. I'd be a damn fool to do that. Men don't do shit like that, ladies. Be careful on farming your man out. Because I'm telling you, you are pretty much giving him an invitation to get some pussy. Without a doubt. You roam the red carpet out. So, Anne, all is not over or lost here. Look at it as a new beginning. Because here's the thing. Just by your voice, I'm assuming that you're still young. You can still make up the ground you lost. I know that it's difficult being married all that time. But what you have to also understand too is that this is a stage for you to really allow Anne, the true Anne, the true woman, to stand on her hind legs and go forward. And this is no pep talk or motivational speech. It's the truth. See, what we like to do is we like to mire ourselves into what we can't do. Because what we don't like doing as people, let's be honest, we don't like doing shit. Why do you think most people want to be rich? So they can afford to have somebody else do the shit that they have to do themselves. Why do you think people want to retire? So they can sit on their asses after so many years. Why do you think people want vacation? To get away from working so they can have the time to fuck around. Why do you think people celebrate the weekend? Why do you think people want to get off early? We don't like doing shit, folks. As humans, that's us. And that's something we have to face. Now, and I'm going to on something too. Because this has happened to a lot of my friends who cheated and did shit like your man has done. They get homesick for the pussy sometimes. 
They try knocking on that door to see whether or not they can still dip. Don't get weak and let them come back. This is one time you got to close your legs and mean it. Because see, the ideal situation for a lot of guys who cheat have the side piece mistress or whatever I still have access to the old gate don't put yourself in that position I'm telling you it's a no win situation for you and you know what would be the most fucked up thing where you don't let those feelings die for him and you still try to revive it and then you get into an altercation or confrontation with your girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend, over a man that you used to have who used to love you and used to love. What kind of shit is that? Don't accept any begging, any pleading. And if you want to, you can try going to counseling. But I guarantee you, I'm talking about with him. But I guarantee you, it's going to be for naught. More than likely, he probably wouldn't want to go anyway. Because what he doesn't want to do is to be accountable for his actions. Plain and simple in a nutshell. Nothing special, nothing crazy. So, I wish you the best, my dear. You have an invitation to the show at any time you care to. And I want you to take care. More in a minute, folks. We are back to continue our discussion about dating preferences with our panel of women, Tammy, Claire, Prina, and Becky. Ladies, what are your thoughts on your potential partner's political and religious views? Politics and religion are two deal breakers for me. He must be very liberal and preferably an atheist. I don't want to hear shit about religion and guilt. Some of the very people that were very religious in my family took advantage of me sexually as a child. I definitely agree with you on that, Becky. I have a serious issue with self-righteous people. When it comes to religion, I don't even want to go there. And my view on politics when it comes to a potential partner, he has to be a moderate or liberal, but definitely not an extremist. And I find it very difficult to find someone that can think for themselves these days. Now, Tammy, I would love to hear your perspective on this particular question. And Jillian, don't forget to answer your own question also. You have dodged Prima's and Becky's questions in the past. Now, Claire, you're using your white privilege with me. Just joking. I must admit that in 2016 and 2020, I was a Trump supporter until January 6th. Afterwards, my perspective changed. I was one of those women that had the vote as my husband wanted me to vote, and it was always conservative on the far right. This coming election, I am definitely voting Democrat. Now that I think about it, this will be the first time that I will be able to vote as I please. I have so many girlfriends that are still in these dead-end marriages where their husbands are telling them how to vote, how to dress, how to think, and how to believe. How white of you, Tammy. Touche. I left the church years ago and have no use for stories that don't make sense. 
So the man or woman in my life should not come to me with religion. As for politics, I am a progressive liberal and think that both Trump and Biden are too damn old to hold office. However, between the two, I will vote for Biden. I still don't like the way the Democratic Party ignored black men in the 2020 election. And I just pray this time around that they won't get upset and do a protest vote for that man. I can't even say his fucking name. By the way, Tammy, you did not mention religion in your answer. Just curious. And even though you are the host, Jillian, we should hear from you too. Why are you throwing shade? Jillian, she's not throwing shade. She actually is trying to hold us accountable. Well, to answer your question, Claire, from this old dusty pussy bitch, I used to work for a megachurch years ago in Texas, and after seeing the way things are done, I left and never looked back. Satisfied? Well, I'm Jewish by birth, being that my mother was Jewish. However, I practice under the Anglican Church. In no way am I a saint, or even close. Politically, I'm liberal. The man that I wind up with would have to have some sort of belief in something, even if he doesn't know what it is. And politically, he would definitely have to be liberal. Acceptance and not tolerance is a must. Let's go on to our next question. Okay, now would it be a deal breaker if he was a baby daddy or had children? Or, would you consider having children with him if things really work out between the two of you? Since I'm the oldest here, I'll go first. As long as his kids are grown and gone, I am totally okay with them being a father, or baby daddy as you call it. If he's expecting a baby to come out of this vagina, he has another thing coming, things go in it, and nothing comes out. Oh, hell no. No kids. I don't like kids, and I definitely do not want to have any. In fact, Tammy, I envy you because I am tired of buying pads and being bloated every month. I just could not imagine myself walking around with a baby on my hip. That would never happen with me. I have made a choice to never allow myself to have a child. It would be entirely too much work, and I wouldn't have an interest in having one. When it comes down to a man with children, the answer is absolutely no. Early in my life, I did want to become a mom and change my mind after I saw the struggle my sisters went through with their baby daddies. I have no time to even think about a child, especially when it comes down to my career. Also, I would never date a man with children again. I did it once and he had a teenage daughter and that little bitch got on my nerves 24-7. She didn't like me and wanted to be like a grown-up. A single father, it would depend on how well the kids are disciplined and whether or not they respect him. I personally would not want to engage in something like that because usually it would have to deal with getting along with the child's mother. When it comes down to me having a child, it would depend largely on the man. Ladies, what kind of occupation and education should he or she have? Absolutely no, and I repeat, no. High school dropouts, he must have a good blue-collar job, and I don't mean working part-time either. I'm a chef, so I expect him to have a career. Well, I'm going to start things off. He must have at least the bachelor's degree from a regionally accredited university in the United States. My second requirement is that he should be retired, have a pension, or own a business. In any case, I will never need his money. I just want him to be able to take care of himself. So you can see that I'm very easy. Tammy, I agree with you on this one. I will never date a guy without a college degree. There is a total lack of quality in the relationship. Also, no hourly or commissioned workers. I agree with you, Prina and Tammy. The two of you are right. A degree is mandatory for me. Also, no straight commissioned or hourly jobs. My preference would be that he did have a degree, but I would not hold that against him if he did not have one. However, I have been in situations where I've made more money than my boyfriend, and it caused problems. 
Jillian, I have been down that road before, and I can tell you if a man feels as though he's not dominant, he feels threatened. I made three times more than my ex, and he tried to put hands on me. That shit will never happen again. Claire, where are you meeting these men? I will make a mental note not to come to Memphis for anything, especially looking for a boyfriend. I'll just stay my happy ass here in Denver. I never ran into that problem so far, thank goodness. He has to be attentive, a team player, someone that I feel comfortable sharing my feelings and emotions with, and finally someone who's ethical and has integrity. Gone with your bad self, Miss Prina. I ain't mad at you at all. I would say someone with impeccable character that can respect me and like you said, is a team player and also someone with integrity and he must not be a cheater. I would agree with both you ladies on that. Also, he or she would have to be honest, loving, and not someone that needs to be coddled 24 hours a day. I have no energy or time to carry emotional baggage. Ditto, I agree with every one of you except for one thing. He would have to be honest and not a liar. That will get under my skin the most. Well, it looks like we agree on something. Yes, it does. I agree with everything that you ladies mentioned. However, I would also want him to be his authentic self and nothing else. Okay, ladies, on to our next question. What kind of relationship are you specifically looking for? I'm actually looking for a friends with benefits situation because I don't want something that's too involved. I just want to get laid here and there and if something does come about, so be it. I'm looking more for a kink partner that has no problem having sex and allowing me to handle them with a ping pong paddle. Don't judge me. Becky, um, never mind. I would say that I would be looking for someone that could potentially become my husband. After hearing some of the horror stories here today, it would do me good to find someone to settle down with. I would like to have a casual sex partner where I can live out some of my fantasies that I could never do with my first husband or second husband. I'm not so into getting married again as much as I meant to having some of my sexual needs met. And FYI, Claire, my youngest daughter is biracial. What, what, newsflash? Tammy, you mean to tell me you have a biracial daughter? Shit, I had you all wrong. My apologies. You're not a dusty pussy bitch now, even though you never were. My perspective has changed on you a lot in a very good way. I was young at that time and I had my first daughter, Claudia, and while I was pregnant, everyone in the congregation down in Texas knew that my husband was cheating with my best friend. She denied it until she wound up pregnant. He told me what he had done and I got into my feelings and had an affair with a black coworker and that's how I had my youngest daughter, Denise. Wow, Tammy, I am totally blown away, I thought for sure. That I was racist? You can't judge a book by its cover unless you read the contents. Okay, so now you know it's out there satisfied. I'm fucking speechless, but Tammy, you have my vote. My boyfriend dumped me recently and I'm still dealing with the aftermath. But in some ways, I think it was a good thing even though I'm at the girl. So now, I'm still healing. Jillian, I want to ask a question. And could you please give me an honest answer? Is it true that you and Jason were lovers? Oh shit! Yes, Tammy, we were a long time ago. Now let's get back to the questions, ladies, shall we? Our next question is, could you date someone that has a roommate of the opposite sex? Or, for that matter, if he or she had roommates at all? No way! The temptation is too great, and I would wonder if they are together if they were of the opposite sex. I'm sorry, my insecurities would get the best of me. I couldn't do it. I dated a guy once that had two male roommates, and one day I was supposed to meet him at his place after work. I totally went against my better judgment and decided to wait inside the apartment for him. That's where I fucked up. Well, all I can say is that I couldn't resist the opportunity of two men walking around hard in boxer shorts. We had a threesome on the couch. My then boyfriend caught us and while they were fighting, I grabbed my dress, purse and keys and drove home butt naked. Ever since then, I swore off all partners with roommates. Becky, you are wild. You are scaring me. Where do you live? 
Kansas City baby home of the Chiefs. In my dreams, I'm Travis Kelsey's side piece. Jillian, could you ask Jocelyn if he has Super Bowl tickets? They're playing in Vegas, you know. Becky, you are a force to be reckoned with. I'm sure Jocelyn is not going to pay in the neighborhood of $30,000 for Super Bowl tickets. By the way, who is Travis Kelsey? Never heard of him. You've got to be shitting me. Have you heard of Taylor Swift? Yes, I'm familiar with Taylor Swift. I love her music and I'm a Swifty, and so is Jocelyn. Here in the UK, our football is soccer, and I'm a diehard Manchester United fan. Jillian, Travis Kelsey plays the position of tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, and rumor has it that he and Taylor are dating after that revelation, Becky. It seems like you could play tight end. Anyway, to answer your question, no partners with roommates for me. Too much drama. A man with a roommate is a non-starter no matter what gender. After my first divorce, I bought a small three-bedroom, two-bath house outside of Dallas. I decided to rent it out and move to my mother's home and she had left me in Oklahoma City. The lady that I rented the property to decided to sublet it without my knowledge. And there were six adults living in my house that I didn't know. Well, from what I understood, there were three women and three men. The place was in shambles when they left. Toilets smashed, windows broken out, doors broken, all the appliances stolen. It was a fucking nightmare. Tammy, that's horrible. My prayers are with you, Tammy. And now I know a little more about American football. Ladies, what kind of a relationship would you like to have with your partner's parents and friends? Would this seem important to you? There's a good possibility, according to my age, his parents would probably be dead or in a nursing home. But if they are still around, I would hope that their relationship wouldn't be adversarial. That would be important. The one good thing about getting older, there are fewer friends to deal with. I would first have to establish some hard boundaries when it comes to friends and parents. The one thing that I will not allow to happen in any relationship I have is for my partner to go back to parents and friends and tell everybody our business. My ex did that on a regular basis. I would like to have a nice relationship with his parents and friends. Sorry, but I'm not that trusting of people when it comes down to friends. Years ago, me and my BFF went to Florida on spring break. We met these guys and got wasted. I woke up naked in the hotel room. I get back, my parents and boyfriend were furious. That bitch that I've known since high school turned on me, and she and the rest of the girls with us took pictures of me naked and drunk with these guys. She sent them to my boyfriend, and he showed them to my parents. Well, she got what she wanted, my boyfriend. I hope you sue the shit out of them because that was totally uncalled for. We did and got an out-of-court settlement for uh, an amount that I can't talk about to this very day. I keep a copy of that picture in my phone to remind me of how I was betrayed. When the very people you trust and love are holding your legs wide open for a picture, I don't want to talk about it anymore. That was so egregious. Well, for me, I don't have that many friends and like it that way. And the majority of people that I've met don't have them either. I get along well with my extended family, but mom and dad are too self-righteous and puritanical for me, so we haven't spoken in years. I would not feel threatened by a partner that had very close relations with their parents and friends, but I agree with you 100%, Claire. There must be boundaries. I concur. The boundaries are very important, and I would like to establish a relationship with my partners, parents, and friends. Now let's go on to the next question. What is the age range of your ideal potential partner? And this will be our last question, so we can wrap things up. I would say that the youngest I could go would be 35 and the oldest would be around 65. More than likely, I will wind up with someone in my age range because I'll be damned if I go and have to replace a hip joint messing around with the younger man. Being that I'm 29, I would say I would go as low as 21 so I can train him up to about 35. I'm not going past that because the one thing I don't want is a father figure. 
Well, one thing for sure, I don't want a boy. She or he would have to be at least 27, being that I'm 35. And he's going to have to be a mature man emotionally. Also, he's going to have to be willing to tolerate some of the trauma I've gone through. So that tells you that he or maybe she, if I could find her, would be the right person for me. It's a no-brainer for me. More than likely, I'm going to wind up with a trans woman between the ages of 21 to 31. I'm 25, and I think that will be a good age range for me to find a partner. I don't ask for much, and my expectations are not that high. Okay, ladies, do you have any parting words for our audience? Trust no one at face value and approach them like a total stranger, no matter how well you know them until they prove otherwise. Don't allow race to be the determining factor to base your happiness on. Think of yourself first and fuck everybody else. And Tammy, you don't have to worry about me coming down to Oklahoma City with a strap on and Becky, no worries. You won't have to clean anything up. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot for that. Claire, I am finally relieved of cleanup duty. The only thing I can say is love who you love and enjoy them as long as you can. I feel so honored, Claire, that you and Becky took it upon yourself to not expose me to that. And in exchange, I won't come to Memphis and sit on your face. What I would leave your audience with is no matter how many times you fail at love, you only have to get it right one time for it to last. And Jillian, you still have feelings for Josan. Bye now. Touche, Tammy. Before you jump on my case, Claire and Tammy, I'm in the process of healing and I'm leaving my heart and options open. Well, ladies, it has been a pleasure and I appreciate your participation and your candor. And I also would like to thank our listening audience for tuning in. On behalf of myself, Prina, Claire, Tammy and Becky, have a wonderful evening. All right, folks, so let's unpack this. And I think uh, Jillian did a pretty good job. Now, here's the thing. Let's look at what's going on with all five of them. As we know, Jillian expressed on the show that she and her boyfriend had recently broke up. And she's still getting over that. Now, let's go with Tammy first. Older woman, been married twice, had a lot of experiences, a lot of trauma. That's one thing that we know about all of these women, trauma of some capacity. Now, we like to put the DR in front of the TR, right? And we like to call it drama. Well, drama comes from trauma. Now, here's the thing that we have to look at, though. We have to look at, in Tammy's situation, she was what we would call coming from an all-American background. Basically, the white picket fence mindset. She was working down in Texas in a, at a mega church. till so she became delusioned, or disillusioned, I should say, and um, her husband was having an affair on her. And from what she said, apparently they were straight-laced Republicans, extreme right-wing, and the woman wound up getting pregnant. And therefore, Tammy reacts by going and having an affair with a black co-worker and winds up getting pregnant herself with a biracial child. Now, if we really 
analyze the reasoning for that, the black man was supposed to hurt her husband symbolically because after all, we're not the most socially desirable people based on where we're treated in society. So therefore, it was a cut at him, a swipe at him. So what did she do basically? She degraded herself in a way to get even. This is a common thing for some women when they're hurt. They may go out and revenge cheat, just like she did. Give herself away freely to someone because the husband or boyfriend had to work to get his position with her. So this was supposed to be a deep cut for him. Now, the other thing is this. She was also traumatized by one of her husbands. I don't know what was the first or the second. She was left by him for a younger woman. And he wound up falling on his ass and having to wind up living with her daughter. She talked about renting the property out and how the people deceived her and messed the place up. Again, another setback, emotional setback. So, these standards that she has are reflective of what she is trying to get back to. She was initially with a white man. That's the reason why she specified so much about him being Caucasian, muscles and everything else. The pristine candidate she's asking for and talking about how he can't have a cane and he can't be on social security and all this stuff. However, she's asking for more than she's offering. She's 63 years old. Who's more than likely going to have muscles? Someone younger. So she may have these high standards for him, but guess what? She may not fall into his standards. So there's a good possibility there'll be a prolonged period of her being single. Now, let's go to Claire. Claire is very hypersensitive. Claire has been traumatized. Claire has been used. Claire is one of these women that would be the very kind that would tell you how generous she was and how she helped people. The problem with a woman like this is they brag about what they've done for other people when that person left them. Even though they want to be looked at as the victim, they also want to brag about it. Now, if you look at her standards, what did she do? She raised them up to $150,000 a year, college degree, just like Tammy did. They got to have all these qualifications and everything. But guess one thing they didn't say, either one of them, what they bring to the table. These are the kind of women that say, oh, no, I am the table. As if that's supposed to be some finalized declaration of quality, right? We know better. Now, she got used by the guy. He went to the Philippines on a credit card. She had co-signed for a car. Got him a job. I don't think she was doing to help him stage 
for his departure. And so, what is the reaction from our hurt? She's willing to be with women or men. And she's got a superficially high standard for men compared to women. So a woman can just come into her life and do her the same way. And she probably wouldn't feel so bad. But she has that standard for men because she's been hurt by them. Now had it been vice versa, where she was hurt by a woman, standards would be higher for a woman than a man. So, you're dealing with that dynamic. Let's go to Prina. Prina is trying to remove herself from certain situations. But guess what? She can't. She's still holding that grudge about the photo that was taken of her. She's still talking about how, even though she condemned Becky for being with another woman, she would be with another woman too under certain conditions. She might make herself seem better than a person like Becky, peering down on her. Out of the whole group, I would say Becky was probably the most honest one of them all. She had nothing to hide. She had no bones to pick. She explained how she was abused. She had made some very, very uh, defined boundaries about her not wanting somebody that was into religion, like a lot of the ladies did, for her in particular, about what she She's not superficially making herself more than she is. Kind of humble. Now, see, there's another thing, too, about um, Claire, if you notice. Very combative in the beginning. Because she still wanted to get even. She still wanted to get even with the world and somebody. She still had that chip on her shoulder. Still does. But you notice she softened up when Jillian muted her. She came in at a different angle. Because she's used to getting away with things like that. When somebody calls her on it, she straightens herself out. I've given a woman, I've given all of them, an invitation to come on the show. Or we could do it individually and talk to each other. Like I said, it's not a therapy session because I'm not a therapist. But here's the thing. This is to give you an idea of how people function. These are the very people that you meet, folks, that don't tell you about the things that they have been involved in or that happened to them. Many times you don't find this shit out. Sometimes you find it out later. But they were willing to disclose. But they chose to. 
Nobody twists their arm to say anything. And here's the thing about it. This is the reason why we have this format. So that they can do that and not care. A lot of them had a lot of things to get off their chest. Can't blame them. Probably can't talk to family and friends about it. But they seem to have a pretty good rapport with each other. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. And there was a mutual friend that we had that committed suicide about several years ago. I didn't know it. And he was telling me, he said, man, you remember he used to always stand by the water cooler and he'd drink gallons of water at a time. And he literally would, because he would fill up these damn um, 32 ounce jugs that you could buy at 7-Eleven or 8 a.m. You'd fill it up with water and this guy would drink. And we'd be like, damn, because we thought he was going to die of water poison because he drank so much. But he was on one of these diets where he was going to try to lose so much weight. Very upbeat guy, very optimistic. He's the kind of guy that used to read the cartons on things before he would consume them. Or even you could be at lunch, eating your meal, and he would look at the bag that you, you know, bought your food in, and he'd read the contents on the side let you know what you're eating. <laughs> I had no idea. But you never know. Because he was an upbeat guy. He was married at the time from what I remember. But you never know what's going on in the recesses of a person's soul, mind, and body. You just don't know. When I was a female, we had a guy that was given a class. And, and for those of you who don't know, he was Federal Emergency Management Agency, worked with them during Hurricane Katrina. And the gentleman that was giving this class, very professional, business suit to whole nine yards. But what we didn't realize, he lost his wife during 9-11. Until he happened to mention it. And it was an awkward feeling in the room. But to see this man, the way he was presenting that class, you couldn't tell. That was his way of coping. all have different ways that we approach things after they happen to us. If they're traumatic, we have a way of dealing with it. And sometimes we don't know how to deal with it. And we sit there and question ourselves and ask ourselves, okay, how the hell am I supposed to process this? How am I supposed to feel about this?
and it can be tough. It can be very tough. Now, I didn't want to throw any criticism to any of these ladies because each of them found the thing that was right for them in some capacity. At least they have bearing. They know what they want. But the one thing I want you to understand is a person that you meet, no matter who they are, they're the result and the culmination of everything that they've gone through and experienced from trauma all the way down to the good things. If you're thinking that you're going to find someone that has not gone through challenges or trauma or you're out there on the dating scene, out there online, you're a damn fool. They may not display it. Because after all, when we meet people, we're on our best behavior, right? Most relationships, when people meet online, I looked at one uh, statistic, six weeks is the length of the average relationship that's established online. Within six weeks, relationship dies. And the reason for that, that's about the time usually people start being themselves and they let down the facade. Most relationships that are actually developed end in six months. And some of you may be caught up in what are called seasonal relationships. You're starting out in January because you want to start the new year off right. And some of you are only going to be with that person until after Valentine's Day. Let's face it. Because you're going to be done with that person by summer. Because some of you want to go out there and get you a whole new person. Because for those 90 days, we got the sun shining, warmer weather. People can wear more provocative clothing. And you also want to be seen. And this is one of the things that women like to do. Be seen during the summer. Get mine. I'll never forget. <laughs> I shouldn't be talking about this, but Monica and I had um, brunch at the Beverly Hills Hotel one time. And she wanted to go out poolside. So we did. And there was this lady there. And boy, she was laying on that damn suntan lotion like you wouldn't believe. I mean, she was spackling that shit on her like crazy. Nice looking. Very tan. Very pronounced tan lines, without a doubt. And Monica, she looked at me and she says, you'd like to be with her, wouldn't you? I said, no. She said, I know you would. She said, physically. And I said, well, if I went with you, then maybe. 
Well, the funny thing about it is I called Monica the chameleon because she had olive skin. But during the winter, she would get very light. And during the summer, she got very, very dark, almost dark as I am. And she went on a damn campaign. And she told me, she said, I know I can't be every woman to you, but I'm going to be the best woman I can for you. And I told her, the only thing you have to do is be yourself. You have my attention. You don't have to go out of your way to get it. It's a battle you want. There's some women that think that they still have to fight that battle. one time because but what he told us to pick him up because he didn't have a ride because his wife had the new car that they had and his car had broken down he had a 1972 Ford Grand Torino and they had an argument over him getting a new car she was Miss Pristine she had to get the new Toyota what was it it was not the Camry it was Avalon and I set them back a pretty good amount of money. And she was quick to tell him, well, you know, we can't afford another car. You just got to get your car fixed. We go to pick him up. Me and my girl in the car. So we go in. And we already heard them arguing from outside. And she says, but the only thing you're going to do is go out there and try to find another woman. She said, that's the reason why when I go out tonight, I make sure I dress up because I want to attract another man. I want other men's attention. So just in case I find one, I can let your ass go. That hurt him. He was like, man, let's go, let's go. We get in the car, he's crying on the back seat. Not knowing what to do. Purging and telling us, you know, I tried everything to keep her and she's leaving me. And Monica told him the truth. She never had to work for anything. You gave her anything. And I cut my eyes over at Monica. I'm like, you didn't have to work for shit. You had everything given to you by your family. I didn't want to say it. But what she said was true. Yeah. Fellas, if you get involved in a thankless relationship where the expectation is for you to do something like you're an employee, like that's your job, you got to watch yourself. Or your friends will use you that way too shift their responsibilities on you and then they're going to chastise you like they're paying you. Uh Uh-uh. Don't fall 
for you. You have your boundaries, your hard boundaries. That's one thing I agree with all the ladies about. They established them, finally. But they were very permissive. But people, sometimes, they don't get it right when they become enamored by someone. And they become very careless. I tell you, the way I look at Trump supporters and Trump, it's like the girl that's in love with the bad boy. And they don't give a shit what he has done. They're going to make up an excuse. They're going to qualify. They want him. Blind allegiance. And then by the time that they realize what they've done and what they have, it wasn't worth it. And just like they go into that cycle of being pro-something, they go into that same cycle of being disgusted and being anti. It happens more often than you think. It happens in relationships all the time. Women will prop men up when they haven't done shit, make them larger than they are, more successful than they are. Lie to her parents about the job he has when he has no job. Lies to her girlfriends about how he's doing well on his job when he doesn't have one. In order to save face. Oh, and not to forget the uh, women with the imaginary boyfriends that you never see. Ladies, you know you got a couple of girlfriends that are probably like that. And fellas, we already know about the guys that are like that. So, what I wanted you to get out of this whole episode? Well, I learned something from these four women, and even Jillian. And of course, uh, Tammy asked the question that Jillian and I used to date, and we did date about two decades ago. And it was a wonderful relationship. It was just distance that was our biggest adversary because she had to go back to England. That was in California. But she was a very sweet, loving woman. Very feminine. to the show and supporting it. We're going to continue on. And I'm pulling the uh, analytics for the show because uh, there are certain topics that we're going to talk about that will be more of an interest because it seems like conflict resolution and dealing with complex situations in regards to being together is what many of you are focused on. 
given some of the emails that come in. And Charles, by the way, uh, if you're listening, sir, I cannot read your email on air because you have some litigation pending. The law firm that you mentioned in your email, I contacted them to see whether or not you had any litigation pending before I was to read it. You weren't quite honest with me about a few things, so I did have to not read it. So it's been deleted. Now, folks, I always tell you, I don't need to know the who, what, where, when it's about anybody. If you send me an email, you just describe the situation. That's it, give me permission to read it. Without that, it's not gonna happen. Plain and simple. So if you want to drop an email, romantictruthpodcast at gmail.com, you can leave a message on anchor.fm backslash romantic truth backslash message. Or just go to the main page, anchor.fm backslash romantic truth and click on messages. You can leave a recorded message. And depending on the nature of it, we'll probably play it, but we do need your permission in order to podcast it. We're not doing anything without anyone's permission. And the reason for that is because with the advent of AI now, how it's uh, going on, we're not taking any chances. And uh, make sure you leave your email or phone number so I can contact you back before we broadcast it. To verify it's you. We're trying to do this the right way. Now, in parting, there's a lot of controversy out there about celebrities now, as we know. I'm not going to get involved in that quagmire, even though many of you have written in wanting to know my opinions about certain things or about certain celebrities. I'm going to stay silent. Unless it's an irrefutable fact that was proven in court with a verdict and a judgment, keep my opinion to myself take care and love you all we'll talk to you on tomorrow we at romantic truth appreciate your listenership listeners You're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, AudioMac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned or endorsed by Romantic Truth anchor or any of its affiliates the advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal marital or family counseling or for professional practice purposes in the event for professional assistance please contact the local licensed professional family counselor marriage counselor or social services professional in your region if you need someone to talk to in regards to help 
you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.